Well, good morning. Thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful you're joining us online. You know, as, as they were singing that song, I, I just kept thinking about how just all morning, this morning in the first service, and then just as they were singing that, just how Christ, he wipes out fear. How the darkness trembles at the, at the name of Christ, at the presence of, of, of the Lord. And, and all through moments, there were many moments in, in the life of Christ when a demon-possessed person and a demon would speak and go, I know you. And Jesus would silence them. Or like in, uh, the, in Acts 19, when those, uh, the seven sons of Sceva came across that demon-possessed man, they said, Jesus, I know. I know Jesus. And then the power of Jesus, the power of, of his name, how much peace he brings, how much hope he brings, uh, what he's doing right now. Um, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, um, about a year ago, one of, our, one of our great leaders in our church died. Lyle Seibert died. And um, before, he, uh, before he died, he was, uh, he was sick, and he was in the hospital in, uh, in St. Louis. And, and there was this day that um, he got some really bad news. And uh, I needed to go see him. And I, I was trying to work it out of my schedule, and I was looking at it, and, and I, I was just struggling to try to find a moment to drive all the way to St. Louis and back because I, I had a tight schedule. And, and a guy in our church uh, heard about it. Uh, Mike Zilke called me and said, uh, hey, Chris, I hear you're trying to get to Kansas City or St. Louis real quick. He goes, he goes uh, my, my flights were canceled, and, and he said, if, um, if you can get to the airport in an hour, uh, I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll take you. And I was like, really? And so we drove in the airport, and he flew us to St. Louis, and it's just a really uh, cool moment. On the way back, I was in the co-pilot seat, and I'm sitting there, and he goes, you want to fly up that plane? And that question has not been asked to me very, very often in my life. And, uh, and, and I said, uh, like you would say, Absolutely, I do. I think I want to fly this plane. And uh, so I, he goes, all right. He gave me a little few instructions. And he said, okay, grab that little steering wheel thingamajigger there. He called it something. And, uh, and, uh, and right when I grabbed it, uh, it felt like the, uh, the first dip in the Judge Roy scream at Six Flags. That's what it felt like. It just was like, woo. And, uh, and Paul, my father-in-law, who's sitting back over here, he was in the back with Jim Brees, one of our deacons, and, and they started praying passionately in the back. And, uh, and I thought, wow, I'm a really good pastor. I'm teaching them to pray, you know, back there. And it was really great. And um, uh, so I, but, but Mike encouraged me not to do that again with the, like, pushing forward thing. And... Um, and it was, it was uh, really fun, uh, sort of. And, and it was interesting when we got, uh, as we were sitting there, I, I was really excited the moment that I looked at Mike and said, it's your turn now. And, and so were Paul and Jim in the back. And, and uh, you know, I was really glad he was there to take control of the plane. It's funny because when we got back home, he pulled up the little flight plan. You can do that in, on your phone. And uh, you could tell when I took over the plane because it got squiggly. It was straight and then it got squiggly. But, but, but you know, I was glad, excuse me, I was glad that Mike grabbed the wheel. You know, as I look at our world, it feels like it's out of control. But can I tell you that, that Jesus is Lord? That, that, that everything that's going on in the world is not a surprise to God. That God is at work. That, that to this day, 
God, Christ is in control. And as I think about our church, and, and, and it's interesting because in, with all the tension, with all the confusion, with all the fears, I, I am grateful that we serve the God who controls everything. We do. That's who we serve. We, we get to experience the blessing of living under the lordship of Christ, that Jesus is Lord in the midst of all these tensions, in the midst of, of the craziness of our world. Look, God has prepared us for this moment. We are a church that's battle-tested. We uh, are ready for these times and these days. And as I think about the world that we're in, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be afraid. And, and, and right now, God is preparing us and using, and preparing to use us as, as missionaries in this world. We've, one of the things that's on our heart today, as we look at the book of Colossians, um, we are building a missionary mindset here, seeing ourselves as missionaries right here, right now. And, and the book of Colossians is a, is a beautiful book for us to study, and we're going to be in it for a little while. And you see, this Epaphras was, was this leader who came to Colossae, and he, he grew up in that place, and, and he was saved, and he went back to his hometown and, and started a church. And when I think about the, the church that they started, it was so impactful that Paul wrote a letter to this church. And that's what we're in over the next several months. And when I think about, about our church, we, we've got a calling to, to this place, to this time. Um, and, and God's at work in our lives. And we say our purpose statement like this, uh, that we're here, our church exists, to love all people to Christ, to equip them on their journey with God and one another. That, that we're, when we look at the world we're in, we're in a world that desperately needs, to, needs Jesus. And we're called to be in the middle of it. We're called to be in this world, but, but not of it. We're called to be a, uh, in engaging this world. And, and we live out this purpose statement by, like today, we're worshiping together. We're coming together and learning how to love God and, 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 and learning how to love others by, by singing praises to the Lord. We, we are working in multiple environments to connect God's truth to our daily lives. That's why our Bible studies are prevalent, and, and, and we're working at looking how God's Word fits every day. We're, we live together. Yeah, I'm grateful as I look around our church. I'm grateful that we can walk into these uncertain days side by side. We're a church. And we have resources. We have, we have strength together. And, and we're, we need to live in community together, in life together, pushing one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another. We, we get to live here as ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ to this world. And, and, and when I look at the future and, the, and some of the, uh, the, the challenges that are in front of us, I just look at incredible opportunities to be an ambassador for Christ where we live. Now, Colossians is a great book. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verses 18 through 23 of chapter 1 today. And so if you have your Bible, stand with me and let's read this passage. Because it's such a great passage of Scripture. Verse 18 says this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, 
making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, have you ever heard the word syncretism? Have you ever heard that word? Syncretism, it describes this, uh, I see it as a temptation to unite like all these different beliefs and, and religions and thoughts about God, and it unites them, and it tries to take the best of them into like this greater understanding of God. We live in a world that that is prevalent. That, that, and if you've paid any attention to the, to the you know, the narratives this week in our world, you see, um, you see Christianity kind of put in the buffet of all the other religions. And, and we've seen that this week in our, in our, in our world, up in front of us. That, that it, that, and this is a problem, because when you think about uh, what the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that there really is only one God, Yahweh God. That's the only God. Every other deity, every other form of worship, that's man-made. The Bible's clear on this. And we know what religion is. I've said this over and over again here. Religion, what is religion? Religion is man's attempt to get to God. And mankind has been incredibly creative through the years of developing these different belief systems and and religions as an attempt to get God to love them or accept them. And, and, And when you really understand the uniqueness of Christianity, Christianity is unique in the fact that Christianity does not describe the moment when man gets to God, but it describes the moment when God came to man. And that's the story of Christianity. Now, now, now this is important, and this is worth writing down, and I, and I want you to write this down, and I want you to think about this. These are some, lang- this is some words that we don't often use, but, but, but when you think about the uniqueness of Christianity, Christ, here's what I want you to write down, Christ is not just prominent among religions, Christ is preeminent. I want you to think about that. Christ is not just prominent among religions, Christ is preeminent. Now, now we, we need to resist the temptation to go, you know what, I just like Christianity better. But we need to recognize that Christ is not just better, Christ is preeminent. Um, you know, it's interesting as you think about how many Christians in our day consult their horoscopes? Or think of, and I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm a Sprouts fan, I go to Sprouts, but think about the, the theology of Sprouts, of the whole food market kind of thing, of be one with yourself. And it's good to be healthy, but, but there's a spirituality of, of, uh, that, that is somehow connected with this. And I think about we live in this rapidly growing 
coexist kind of uh, pressure that, look, we are wrong to think that Christianity is the only way to God. But, but the issue is, uh, he is the only way to God. He is God. And to miss Jesus is to miss God. To see Jesus is to see God. And, and this is critical. And even our, like, like right now, I think that even our church has the, the, the temptation to, 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 to maybe dilute our faith. And when I look at Colossians, it's an interesting and relevant letter because, because even the church at Colossae, they were pushed to dethrone God uh, a little bit and, and to, to accept all the other religious ideas. You've got to realize this is first century Rome where it was very pluralistic. And you know what I mean by pluralistic? It's, it's that there are many faiths and many beliefs and and when I look at this letter, it's a relevant book because the book of Col- the, the people of Colossae, this church, were facing some some threats, some heresies. Heresies mean mean it's it's a false teaching, and there were false teachings coming into their church, and it was this Eastern philosophy that was growing. This this threat of of Jewish legalism called Gnosticism that was impacting the church at Colossae. There were these. Uh, rapid man-made philosophies that were were growing in the first century, and you see that we study those in philosophy and 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 in theology. There there was dietary legalism coming against the Colossian church. There was a a temptation here in the church at Colossae just to include Christ as as one of the smorgasbords of religions. But when you look at this letter, it confronts these mistaken beliefs. And you know, when I look at us, and I look at our world, we've got to confront these mistaken beliefs. Now here's, if you're taking notes, point number one is this, we need to recognize that Christ is clearly in charge. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we live in a world that Christ is in charge. Look at verse 18. He says, says this about Christ, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in ev- that in everything he might be preeminent. Now it says this, that Christ is, is the head of the church. Christ is the head of this church. Now there, there are many images and metaphors in the scriptures that, that, that talk about the church. One of the most common is that the church is the body of Christ. We see that in uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, that, that what we are as the church, we're the body of Christ. But when it comes to, uh, like, our church, I'm not the head of this church as the senior pastor. Christ is the head of this church. We are the body of Christ. And, and this refers to, this is a connection that all believers in Jesus have. All, all those that are, are like-minded churches and like-minded brothers, we look at Christ. We, we make sure that Christ's name is clearly praised. And this has got to be the truth for us, that, that we are individuals and we are a body that, that Christ's name is praised. Now that means when, when you think about he is the beginning the Greek means that he's in charge. He's the leader. He's the ruler. He, the beginning means he's the originator. That Christ is the originator of this church, of, of our church. He's the head of the church. Jesus supplies our church through his spirit. He, he gives gifts to us. He leads us. He provides for us. He directs us. And when I think about the world that we are in, aren't you comforted to know that Christ is going to direct us? Christ himself is going to lead us. 
And this is why as we think about Christ being the head, Christ being the originator, his will is continuously sought. And what I want us to be is a church that seeks the will of God. And here's what I want us to, you to know, that, that God doesn't keep his will hidden from us. God does not hide his will from you. You can know the will of God. Not only can you know it, we are commanded to know the will of God. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That we are called to know the will of God and understand the will of God. And, and when I think about our focus, has got to be on Christ. And one of the things I'm praying today is that every one of us, whether we're watching online in our living rooms or whether we're in this room, that we leave today with our focus being on Christ alone. This has got to be the case. Look at verse 18 again. It says, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the beginning of the church. It says he's the firstborn now, now, how do we reconcile that? We saw this last week. Um, Misael was here last week, and I was at Calvary, but, but we, we were looking at verse 15 of Colossians 1, where it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So Christ, as the image of God, like when you want to see God, look at Jesus. Christ is the, is the visible version of the invisible creator. That, that the Bible speaks of and that the world has come to recognize. And, and, and it's interesting as you think about Christ, it's said of him that he's the firstborn. Now we have to wrestle through this idea because we know about Christ. He's, he wasn't created. Christ was eternal. The Bible reveals the eternal nature of Christ. How do we understand firstborn? Well, um, that firstborn language... It's interesting, firstborn really means first rank. I want you to flip in your Bibles to Psalm 89. Flip over to Psalm 89, 27. I want you to see this. Because it's, we wrestle with this. What do you mean by firstborn? In Psalm 89, verse 27, this is a psalm of Ethan. And he's talking about Solomon here. And what does he say in verse 27? I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Now, this is talking about Solomon right here. And Ethan is mentioning Solomon as the firstborn. Now, if you study your Bible, you know David had quite a few sons. Solomon was one of them. He was the greatest king that's ever lived. He was the most wealthiest man that ever lived, past, present, or future. No one will ever be as wealthy as Solomon was. And and it says right here in Psalm 89, he was the firstborn. Now, how do you reconcile that? Well, it means first rank. It's the first ranking. He was the, the blessed one. He was the first ranked in all creation. So when you look at verse 18 of Colossians 1, the firstborn from the dead, it says, that in everything he might be preeminent. Paul was not saying that, Paul was saying Jesus is the first rank. He was the firstborn of the dead. What do we do with that? Because when you look at Jesus, he wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead. We know that. So how can he be the first born from the dead? Well, what again, this is the same concept. Paul is, is making the point. Jesus' was the, Jesus's resurrection was the most important resurrection. And, and I get this. 
And, I, and I'm grateful for this. Like, like when, when I think about um, Christ and his conquering the grave. Oh my goodness, that, that changed everything. Like when I stood right here and preached Lyle's funeral. I was sad about that. Though we went to see him when he was in the hospital, he died not too long later. And, and, and I stood here and I preached his funeral. And though I was sad, um, let me tell you something. I was comforted by the fact that he's in heaven right now. Why do I know that? Because Jesus conquered the grave. And this is why Paul is making the point. Look, Christ is the most important one to be raised from the dead because, when, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we know that when we draw our last breath, it's not the end. And I'm grateful for that. And then I love what Paul does in this letter to the Colossians. He, you see that, that point number two is that salvation is clearly communicated. Now, you've you got to take some notes on this. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But look again at verse 19 and 20. Take some notes on this for for verse 19 for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven now now you know when you look at this and you see the gospel being communicated because we, 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 we see the fact that we need to be reconciled. What, is it, what does reconciled mean? It means made right. We need to be made right with God. And then what's amazing is here it says that for in him all the fullness of God was ple- pleased to dwell. Christ was pleased to come to this earth. And, and it was pleasing to him to reconcile us. Now, if we're going to understand the gospel, we need to recognize we, that, that, write this down, sin is a problem. Sin is a problem for us. That, that we were not right with God. This, this narrative that we see in our world, that when we were born, we were born good. No, we weren't. We were born, we were born into sin. We were born with this sinful nature that needed to be made right. And, and I don't know about you, but as a parent, I learned that as I very quickly watched my kids' sinful nature come to the forefront from the very beginning. And we're all the same. We needed a Savior. We needed to be forgiven. I, Isaiah 53 says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Why? Because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. But God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Don't, don't you see that sin is a problem for the world? Sin is a problem for you and me. But, but, but look back at verse 20. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. See, to understand the gospel, you see sin is a problem. But, but secondly, you see that Christ is the solution. Christ is the solution for our sin. And, and Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us, it says. And here we see that, that Christ made peace for us by the blood of the cross. You see, Jesus paid a debt. He didn't know. Why? Because you and I owed a debt we couldn't pay, and we we needed someone to wash our sins away. That's why Jesus went to the cross. 
That's why he did this. And, and as I'm, you know, I'm reading through the Bible this year, and, and I'm, I'm in Joseph right now, and, it's, and I know this week I'm going to get to the last plague this week in, in, my, in my readings. And remember the last plague in, in, in Egypt? And that was the moment that, that Moses said to, the, to, the, uh, to, to, the, to God's people, he said, look, you've got to kill a lamb, and, and, and I want you to take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And, and, and when the death angel comes by, when he sees the blood, he will pass by you. And that's what happened, and, and, and they, their, their firstborn was spared because the blood was on the doorpost. And that was foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do, that it's the blood of Christ that forgives our sin. And when Jesus was on the cross, it was the final sacrifice that Christ took away our sin and gives us lasting peace in our lives. And, and of course, because of that, repentance is the response, isn't it? Didn't that happen to you when repentance, you responded in repentance um, that, that, look, we knew the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We receive that gift of peace, and, and, and like Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We need to be saved. Now look back at verse 20. 1 and 22, he says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind. That, that's what we were before we were, came to Christ. We were alienated from God. We were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Man, because of the cross, you and I are, are declared holy and blameless. We are made holy and blameless. Like justification means we were made just like we never sinned. Whoa. You know, I've, I've said this over and over again. I'm kind of like a broken record on this one, but, but I want us to get it. It's like when I was standing here preaching Lyle's service. In that moment, right when Lyle drew his last, last breath, he saw holiness for the first time. We've not seen holiness on this side of eternity. We can't see holiness on this side of eternity. If God in all his holiness showed up in the physical presence in this room, we'd all be dead. Because the glory of God is too massive. And Lyle saw the glory of God the day he drew his last breath. He saw holiness for the first time. And I think he was like, whoa, God you made me blameless. Because I guarantee you, when we see holiness for the first time, we will recognize that on our own, we are not blameless. On our own, we cannot earn our way. We cannot get to heaven in our own power. We will see our frailty all through the scripture. Isaiah chapter 6 is this beautiful passage of Isaiah the prophet that when he saw God, what did he say? Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And let me tell you something. Isaiah was the prophet. He was the best guy on the planet. And yet he said, I'm unclean. Because when we come face to face with the holiness of God, those of us that know Christ as our Savior will marvel. God, you made me blameless and above reproach. 
Because you know what? I, I, I feel the spiritual battle. I feel the attacks of the enemy. Often it happens when I'm sitting right there about to get up right here. But you know, because of Christ, God made us blameless. He saved us. And I'm so grateful today that, 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 that the Holy Spirit came into my life. Because see, that's what happens once you're saved, once, once you repent, once you come to see the cross and, and Christ comes into your life, the Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit comes into you. That's what happens when you're saved. And, and it's like Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, a great passage to memorize when you when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Ephesians 1, 13, uh, when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are in Christ Jesus. That, that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, what does he do? He marks you. He, 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 he leads you. He convicts you. This is why we need to lean into conviction. He, he works in us. He, he, he stays with us all the way to heaven. And, and I just want us to recognize that Christ will never leave us, will stay with us all the way to heaven. How cool is that? How amazing is that? All right, let's stop for a second. Do you know what I just did? I just shared the gospel with you. Do you know that every one of us need to prepare and learn how to share the gospel? I'll tell you what, these days are too critical. And life is too short for us not to be equipped and ready at a moment's notice to share the gospel. And you know what I think God's doing? God wanted you to take notes today on that right there because I believe God is working out in a, a divine appointment for you to share the gospel with somebody. Let me tell you, these are days to be ready to live like a missionary. You know, in 2021, you know what I see in our church? is that, the, that a missionary mindset is building in our church. Look, we are, we are facing this growing coexist pressure. Now, now, the reality is, when I look at somebody that is pushing me to that, they're not my enemy. They're, the, they're who I'm praying for. They're who I'm loving to Christ. They're who we need to minister to. L look, we live in this world that we got to get ready to, to, to serve the Lord, to live as missionaries here. We're not called to violence as, as believers. No, we're called to ministry as believers. We're called to, to be a part of the solution in this culture, in this, in this world. Even those that, that look at us and disagree with us. Look, look, we're called to minister at this time in these days in this place. We got work to do. We're to be missionaries here. And, and we got to get ready for this. How do we prepare for this? How do we stay on track with this? Well, the first, you've got to share the gospel. 
You've got to be ready to share the gospel and know what the gospel is and know that know the tenets, know what the scripture says about the gospel message. But, but here's the, how we stay on track, folks. Look, we've got to grow up. There's got to be continuous spiritual growth here. Are you growing up spiritually? Are you growing in your faith? Can, can you just do a snapshot of, of your life? And just like, you know, when, you, um, when your kids are growing up and you have that little place in the closet where you mark their growth and see their growth over the years, you got the pencil marks. You know, we should be doing this spiritually, growing up spiritually. And, 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 and if I can just be respectful, uh, respectfully um, say this, that, that I hear a lot of people sometimes come to me and say, you know what, I don't like that pastor because I'm just not growing under him. Well, I'll be honest with you. If you're not growing spiritually, it's not your pastor's fault. It's really not. It's not your Sunday school teacher's fault. It's not your parents' fault. What, what did God say in 1 Timothy 4? 1 Timothy 1, 17, 4, 7. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Paul says that, that have nothing to do with godless myth or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And folks, we've got to get some work, work in. We've got to start training as believers, as followers of Christ. And we've we got some work to do here. And we stay on track because we, we, we grow up spiritually. And, and I'll tell you, this is not the time for, for half-hearted Christianity. There's never a time for that. I mean, we've got to be all in. And that's what Christ calls us to. And when I think about our church, how do we stay on track? We've got to realize that, that we're together. There's measurable support for one another here. You've got resources here in our church. Look around us. When I think about our church, I mean, I, I'm proud of our church. I'm, I'm, I'm excited at how we're, how we're rolling right now. I'm, I'm thankful for the support that, that we've, we've had. I think, I thank you, I'm thankful for how we're here for each other. We're figuring things out. We've had some barriers this year that we've never seen before. And what have we done? We've, 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 lit, we've jumped over every barrier that's been in our way. Like here we are in a pandemic with distance chairs and, you know, half of our people online. But, but we figured it out and we're online. One of my friends said this week that, that if you think no church is better than online church or a masked up church, there's a lot of people going, I'm not going to church because it's online or I'm not going to church because I have to wear a mask. If you think it's better to go to no church than that, then you're believing a lie from Satan. Because let me tell you something, we have work to do. And we've figured out, some, we've overcome some barriers, and I'm grateful. Because let me tell you, um, we got work to do. And I, I, what, you know what I've been doing for the last week and a half? I, I kind of get out of balance on some of these things, but, but I've been writing this report. And, and, and when I get in, like, writing mode, I kind of go weirdo. And, uh, and I've been writing this report on our church and last night I said, Robin, can I just help me do a page count on this thing? And, and I was up to 246 pages yesterday on our church. And don't worry, I'm not going to make too many of you read it, but a few of you are maybe. But, um, but, but you know, when I think about what God, I've been, I've been in the middle of what is God doing in our church. And I'll tell you what, I'm fired up about it. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in our church. I've been taking the last 10 days to, to just really kind of, get my, 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 my mind around, my heart around what God's doing here. And oh my goodness, we're going to make a difference. 
And this is what, when I think about a church, I think about our calling. Let me tell you something. If we're going to stay on track, we got to have this never quit determination. And that's what we're going to do here. We aren't going to quit. We're not going to turn around. And, and, and why, why would we think about who we serve? Job 38 talks about this, that, that we serve the one who, who measures the universe with the span of his hand. We serve the one, like Psalm 139 says, that, that, that he so carefully knit us together in our mother's womb that, that, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that before a day started in each of our lives, God wrote them in a book. Think about that. Do you think, like Rome, Matthew 6, how can you, why should you worry about your life? Who of you can add one hour to your life? See, Paul is telling the church at Colossae, Christ is in charge. Christ is in control. And if you walked in the room today and you're worried about life, and, and now, now let me say we need to be smart. I'm not anti-vaccine. When I went to the doctor when I had COVID, they gave me a pack, and I said, thank you very much, I'll take it. And, and you know what, I, I don't think it's wrong to take a vaccine. But here's, and, and we should be smart. We're going to wear masks and we're going to be distancing. We're going to follow. We're going to be wise. I'm not going to fly a plane very often in my life because I've learned, y'all better stay in my lane. I'm not supposed to fly a plane. Ask everybody that was in the plane that day. But, but here's the deal. Christ is in charge. You don't have to fear. You don't have to flip out right now because things haven't turned out like you thought. Look, he's with us. I got to marry the most godly woman that I've ever met. And, and she inspires me, she pushes me, she confronts me. And the other day, um, Robin, we were in the kitchen and she said, you know, I was, I was, thinking about Isaiah 41, and she quoted it. And, 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 and after she quoted it, I thought, wow. Lord, thank you for that truth. You know what it says? Let me just read it. Listen to it. Isaiah 41, 10 through 13 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Those who search, those you search for, though, though you search, excuse me, though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. You know what? We are living in a world that is trying to convince us that Christ is prominent. But can I tell you, he's not prominent. He's preeminent. He's the only God. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only hope for the world. 
And he's with us. So look, let's serve him. Let's not, let's not go one more day without Christ being Lord of your life. Did you walk in here today kind of maybe not focused on Christ? Josh, come on up. I want you to come up. Look, it's time today to make sure that you don't tune out on your television or on your computer without saying, Christ, you are Lord of my life. This is the time to not walk out of this room without saying, Christ, you are Lord of my life. Life's too short, and these days are too important for us not to be a church that lifts up Christ as preeminent Lord of all. You know, it feels like I felt in that plane. Lord, I, it was a dip for me. Took my stomach out. But, but I'm learning day by day. Lord, I'm going to let you. You're in control. I'm not letting you in control. You're just in control. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you have no hope without him. And I would be no kind of pastor if I didn't tell you that. You have no hope without Christ. And, and you could come to him today. And, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've been running away from God, he'll forgive you of all your sins, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. It's time to get focused and refocus. So Josh is going to sing this song that we sang earlier about how Christ silences fear. And would you allow the Lord to reorient you today? So as he sings that over you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just stay seated until you have in your heart, it's not about show, or, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, I've done this. But, but when you're ready, when you feel like Christ, you've got, you, Lord, you've got my a loyalty, my attention, my, my life. Stand and sing with us. But let's allow Josh to sing over us. Let's embrace the, maybe the, the quiet and let's allow the Lord to kind of refocus us. And then when you're ready, stand and let's worship. Lord Jesus, we feel the, the pressures of the world. And I'm thankful for the reminder that you are in charge. 
Because whether people acknowledge it or not, you are sovereign and in charge. God, I thank you that you allow us to see the invisible in Christ. That the invisible became visible. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is working now. Would you lead us? Would you use us? In Jesus' name, move us now. Amen.